All right, thanks for finding a friend. If you want to grab your seat. Encourage you to continue chatting after the service. I see treats. I think there's some Heights Bakery today out there. Beautiful. I like, I like to have to pull you away from each other. To, uh, as we're waiting for everyone to sit down, we, uh, I just got to watch one of the most magical moments. There was a group of uh, boys out there huddled around the treats table, looking a little suspicious. And thankfully, Stan whipped him in the shape. He came out and yelled at him. He just did like a sweet dad, hey! And they, they went, they like scattered and ran off into the hallway. It was awesome. So I think he's going to do a seminar on that, on how to use your voice to scatter children. Uh, I love it. I, uh, I love it. He's, right now, he's with other great volunteers with kids yelling at him about eating donuts. So I love that we have people doing that. Um, I, I also, I love listening to podcasts and music. It's hard for me to not kind of have something going on. This week I was driving to Wisconsin to see my dad in, uh, in the car, and I thought I'd do like a, our small group has been uh, talking about like quiet and solitude and things, and I thought, I'm just going to have some quiet time in the car and just listen to the hum of the road and like pray. And it was harder than I thought. I was like, oh, maybe I'm listening to stuff like so much I can't sit in. It's not even quiet. That's still like loud noise, but not music. Um, is It made me think how much we, I am always listening. In fact, it made me think how interesting it is like this is a very normal, maybe not this scale, right? A huge ear. But this is so, so normal to see this apparatus I feel like in history, like a thousand years from now, aliens will discover Earth and they'll see like pictures and they'll go and they'll just think this was something way cooler than it is. <laughs> like for years we saw pictures of them all had these probes in their ears that must have controlled things or and it's just music. Uh, I think of it when you go to the store, I don't know if you've like checked out and the cashier has one in their ear and it's clearly not listening to you, they're just listening to a history podcast or whatever, probably not. <laughs> But whatever they're doing, um, how hard that is. Uh, I know like at our house, we've had to like officially make a rule like you can't have a, an earbud in your ear at dinner, which I, I never thought that would maybe be a rule. Um, in a sense, because we're just always listening. This has become so normal that there's kind of always something going on that there's actually people designing jewelry that is not headphones. It just looks like a headphone. <laughs> this is awesome. You can order it. They're actually sold out, it looks like, but uh, they're only $3 and uh, on sale. And you don't have to be listening. You just can look like you're listening. So I'm sure, I'm sure many of you and I are going to hop online quick and order these. Isn't that interesting? Like, we're so always listening, always, always hearing things to the point of even if we're not, we still can look like we're hearing things. So interesting, there's lots of people always doing... Um, research on hearing what people are hearing, and it happened so fast. Originally, I could only find charts from like 2014, and they said people listen to the AM ref radio a lot and um, MP3 players a lot, and I was like, I don't think that's even close to true anymore. Thankfully, I found this is from 2023. Just a gen generally, population that's over 13, kind of what are people listening to? This is necessarily how much time they spend listening, but what people are listening from the radio was a lot higher than I expected uh, on here because I don't listen to the radio often at all. Um, actually, audiobooks was smaller than I thought. I don't know how accurate that is, maybe just with my 
Friends, a lot of people I know listen to audiobooks, streaming music. YouTube was higher. I thought, I guess YouTube is a place we listen to a lot. I think all the places that we just take in stuff through a headphone, right? And that's not like hearing what we're listening to throughout the day from other people's voices to just like noise. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of um, like hopping your car here in the city and then getting out of your car like at camp or in the woods and it's like almost eerie. I remember um, making that switch of like living somewhere that was quiet at night and I had to like put a fan on because it was too quiet. It made me uncomfortable that I couldn't hear like an ambulance every once in a while and cars going by or a neighbor uh, yelling or something. I, I was so used to always having stuff around me. Um, there are a lot of people. Here's a few other things about how much we're listening. In 2019, over half the population uh, said they had listened to a podcast. Now it probably is a little bit higher. Um, it says 33% of Americans own a smart speaker, which is uh, this data's way of saying like uh, having Alexa in their house. Um, they have some type of apparatus in their house that they use every day. So a third, which might even be more than that. Um, that's been a few years now. Uh, 75% of people say they listen to audio or music or other things online uh, every month, which also seems, that seems a little low, but uh, it says that um, people average between five and eight hours a day uh, when they're awake of listening to something. I mean, you think your own day, like eight, eight hours, that seems like a lot. Really not, though. I think I'm in my car, I'm sitting working, I listen to something, and even sometimes I'm hanging out with people, we're still listening to something. There's a lot of listening going on. Today's passage we're going to look at uh, is a passage that uses the word hearing. It talks about the things we hear and then what we do with those things. It's a, it's a pretty core, crucial part of Israel's history that Paul's going to get after and really all of our histories. What are we listening to? Who's bringing that to us? What is it telling us? And how much of that do we believe? You might think, I just, some music I like is just fun music, or, or books I'm listening to are just fun, but it does come in, and there's parts of it, how much of that do we take in, and that becomes really a foundation of what we believe, or who we are, um, and so Paul gets at that today. I'm really encouraged by this passage today, excited to get to it. First, uh, it's February, so we've been just highlighting uh, people in black history, and this is one that I've been excited to, and it has fit so well in today's passage, I've been very excited about uh, talking about Opal. This is Opal Lee. Um, is not a great picture of her? Um, she's considered the grandmother of Juneteenth. So if you, if you don't know, Juneteenth is uh, the celebration of independence. It's the day in June we celebrate when uh, the last uh, black American was told they're free. And it actually took a while from the day the Emancipation Proclamation was declared till people all the way down in Texas actually heard, hey, you're actually free. There's still actually slavery going on while there wasn't supposed to be slavery. And so she... Uh, she had this heart to say, this is such an incredible moment in history that I want people to know this. I want us to celebrate this. Uh, and so she went on a, a really a crusade for a lot of years to, uh, to uh, make this a national holiday. Actually, 2021, I think, is when it became an actual federal national holiday on, on June 19th. A little bit about her. She was born in 1926. Uh, when she and her family were young in Fort Worth, Texas, is where she lived and lived a lot of her life, um, when she was about 12 years old, a group of people, they say about 500 people, came and burned her home down because of the neighborhood she lived in. 
Her family was one of the only black families that lived in a predominantly white neighborhood. And they destroyed her home, and they, people clearly knew who did it, and nothing happened. And that, she said, is the thing that sparked for her that I, I want to I be part of change. I, wanna, I don't want to see this for my kids, my grandkids, all those things. And so she experienced that hate crime in others. In her life, she began uh, to figure out, how can I help with this? She became a teacher and an activist. Uh, eventually, she became, started this campaign when she was old. It's really inspiring. Uh, when she was 89 years old, she said, I want people to know this. What can I do? So she started this walk. She decided to walk from Fort Worth, Texas to Washington, D.C. And on the way, not all in one walk. When you're 89, you take breaks. Uh, but if you can see even the background here, there's, people would gather in these different cities with her, and they'd walk, and she would uh, explain to them this great news, this history of, of Juneteenth, and, and that it happened and the hardship of it, and also to celebrate the freedom in it. She wanted everybody to know that. And so she walked uh, for many days, and still there's a walk in Fort Worth where they walk two and a half miles together to celebrate uh, Juneteenth. Uh, it's, it's really just encouraging someone who just said, I'm just going to, I want people to know this important thing. I want people to understand this message. It's an important part of our history and a hard part of our history, but I really want people to know this and celebrate it. And she was a big part of um, that. If, if anyone watched, I think last year, year before, we, we sent out links to there's a great Juneteenth um, documentary about faith in Juneteenth uh, and the history of the black church, and um, she's in that, and they interview her. And I actually thought I had read that she had passed away, and then I'm reading stuff, and I just recently saw another interview with her, uh, which is incredible, uh, that she's still going strong. And so uh, we're going to come back to her. I think her story, this is a little picture of a real gr greater picture that our passage is actually going to talk to us about today. We're in, we're in the book of Romans. We've been in it for a bit, and we're still going to be in it till through June. And we're in the fourth section of it now. We've been talking about there's good news, really good news, that death has been conquered, that our sin doesn't have to define us, that Jesus has come to rescue us, and that the Spirit has even come and empowers us, and that, that we don't have to be separated from God. It's really good news. And so now we're talking specifically Paul, who writes the book of Romans, is talking about what does this mean then for the Jewish people, the ones who seem to have been holding the mantle for this, holding all the signs that said this Messiah is coming, seems to be the ones who would then easily welcome this all in. They seem to not be. And so he's concerned in the church why that's happening. He's trying to explain why that's happening. And so we're in a section here. Lots of resources for Romans. I'll share this every week. Love for you to check those out. Um, we're in this section here for a little bit. We're going through Romans 9 through 11, which is predominantly talking about the history of the Jewish people, their kind of current state, and the future, the hopeful future that they have in 11. So today we actually finished 10, so we're almost done with this section here. Um, and we're going to continue to talk about, like, what does this look like right now, what it has and what it has as uh, will, will look like. And so um, real quick, just so we're all together, I think we have to kind of know how this works together and not just take a part of it. This passage today actually is one that has been used a lot in the church, I think, uh, for something that can work, but I don't know if it's really in the story of what Paul's trying to get here. So we want to make sure we know this story. So Paul is in nine here. He starts with saying, so if this is true, that um, we've heard for, nine, for eight chapters, that salvation comes, rescue comes, relationship with God comes, healing comes, my heart uh, going from stone to flesh, the things we just sang about. Those things are true. That happens through faith in Jesus, believing he did the work and he's the one who changes me. 
then did all of God's plan fail? I read the Old Testament and all the story of God's people, these Jewish people, and it seems like they messed it up, and now this is like God's backup plan. Did it fail? And so he wants to unpack for us the history of the people and say, no, it did not fail. God's still the God who's doing the same thing he's been doing. He's been turning people's hearts towards him. He's been rescuing people. Uh, He's been uh, calling people who weren't a part of the group, who culturally weren't allowed because of their ethnicity or their gender or their age or whatever it was, saying, hey, you're not allowed to be. And and God's saying, no, 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 that's not how it works. I get to choose who's in my family. Uh, And he's always been doing it. The, The plan has not failed. The plan's right on track, and Christ has come to make all of us part of his family. So we'll be talking about this every week. Just a reminder, though, as we continue, it's continually talking about this, that in this passage we talk about Israel and Israel. And so there's Israel, that is God's like true people, his church. And then there's also Israel just ethnically, people who were born as Jewish people. They don't have faith in Christ. They don't believe in, in that. They haven't put their belief in that. But uh, they could be called Israel also. And then Gentiles, just the word for not, non-Jewish people. Today we'll talk about that a little bit. So as 9 started, that's where, we, that's where we are. And then 9 continued. And it says, well, what was the problem here then? And it says, why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. They did not put their belief in Christ, rest on him, hold on to him as the one who's done the work. Uh, but they based on their own works. They could do it. So they took all the things God had given them and interpreted them as like, these are things I get to do. It makes God happy. And then God wants us in his family. And in fact, they stumble over Jesus because he comes uh, to say, I'm the one. I'm the one to rescue you. And they say, no, no, we're the ones that get to rescue us. We've done all that God has given us. And so Paul is pleading. He actually is just heartbroken over this. Uh, calls us, he reminds us in First Peter that we're in Jesus' righteousness. We're built into this great temple, this building, this structure that gets to really scream to the world this good news. And on our own, we stumble. We essentially are a pile of, of rocks. And so then Romans 10, as we started it, um, explains this great uh, understanding that there's a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. That we want to know God, and that has turned into us working hard and doing um, what we think in our own eyes is right, but not necessarily out of knowledge, as in an actual understanding of what's actually true, uh, which is what he was hoping through all those generations that we would see over and over that God, through the prophets and through his people and through his leaders and through people like Moses, that we would see, oh, our need for God to bring us to the promised land. Uh, and instead we realize, like, we, we thought we could do it on our own. And so there's this great zeal, but without the truth of what actually gets us to God. And as Romans 10 continues, we build up to the moment we have today. He's reminding them the same. Another version, it's like a lot of talking about this self-righteousness versus this faith righteousness, this righteousness through Jesus. And this one, he reminds us that we don't have to go far away to find God. We don't have to run to the promised land and hope we find God, but he's actually near us. And he actually quotes Deuteronomy with Moses says, this has always been what's true. God is near us. And he actually changes our hearts, which changes our mouths. Uh, and this, we can proclaim this faith and not be ashamed of it. That all who believe here can be raised from the dead and will be saved. So we were reminded that this, us, our desire to try to ascend to heaven to bring salvation back to us, or for us to ascend to the abyss to pay for our sins ourselves has been done. Jesus has come and is done, which is why we can call him our Lord and our Savior, which is really good news. And he says that's, that's the whole thing. We put our faith in him and that he has done that, that we don't have to run to the promised land, but Moses, in fact, could be close 
to Jesus even though he didn't enter the promised land. Moses can be in the promised land without being in the promised land, which is really good news. Again, he's saying the same thing. He wants to, again, emphasize, again, this is what this looks like in, in case, right? He, he's guessing what people in the church, Jewish people or even non-Jewish people that know Jewish people are saying, yeah, but, but what about the Moses thing? He didn't get to the promised land. He's reminding them. It wasn't about them getting to a geographical location. It was about a faith in Christ, that God is near us and he's who changes us. And so Romans 10 ends with this. And this is what Romans, uh, Romans 10, 13, and we're going to go into 14 today. He ends it after all that discussion. It's about faith. It's not about works, <laughs> our works. God is near us. He changes us. He rescues us. He saves us. We have to be ashamed of that. And he says, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. He says, it's not everyone who did all the right things, it's everyone who calls in the name of Jesus will be saved, will be rescued. And so then he anticipates, I think, an argument, and the one that I would think, he says, well, what if people don't know that name or haven't seen that name? Or he says, maybe, maybe my people didn't hear that ever. Maybe we didn't hear about him. And so he discusses what had, have they heard. So now we go right from here. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And he says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? So they haven't heard him. Maybe they, have they not heard about Jesus or not understood this? That almost maybe part of, it doesn't seem fair. What, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? No, no one came to tell them, hey, this is, how it works. This is who God is. He's come to rescue you. There's grace. No one's been telling them. How can anyone preach unless they are sent? So he's essentially saying, hey, no one was sent to preach, so that means no one was there preaching to them, which means no one heard it, which means no one can believe in it. Do you see that backwards? So there wasn't a person sent. That person didn't say anything. Then if that person didn't say anything, we have nothing to hear and we have nothing to believe. So those steps have to happen, right? Someone has to come, tell you something, First, that person has to just be compelled to come, right? Or be sent by God. Then you have to hear that thing from them. Then you have to do something with what you hear, right? Just because you hear something doesn't necessarily mean you believe it. That happens every day to us, right? We hear things. It doesn't mean they settle into our heart and it changes what we believe and who we are. And so all those things have to happen. You say, well, maybe they didn't believe because there weren't people sent. And then he quotes this great passage. I love this. Uh, it's from Isaiah. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I, this passage like uh, feels kind of visceral. It feels like a real. When it says how beautiful are the feet, you picture someone, right, coming to you with good news. This is actually from uh, Isaiah 52. Uh, and this is actually the whole Isaiah 52. This is one of those great moments. We do this a lot, right? Especially in Romans, we do this a lot, where Paul's going to quote a passage, and probably the people would know the general whole passage. It's like when we quote a lyric from a, mo uh, a, a song, and it kind of indicates the whole song. I remember this in middle school, we would quote a part of a song that we could say in front of our parents because we didn't want to quote other parts of the song in front of our parents. And we'd all be like, oh yeah, they swear in that song, that's cool. Uh, well, he's not doing that. But he is quoting this, and this passage is incredible, right? The picture, picture this. This is a picture he wants to give us. Someone comes with beautifully good news. And he's wondering, like, maybe that never happened. But if it does, how beautiful is it? How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, 
who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together. You ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. This, this is a beautiful picture of a, of a messenger coming with really good news of peace and good tidings and salvation and saying, our God reigns. And the people watching for him to come say, look at those beautiful feet running to us with this beautiful news that our God has come to bring salvation. It's this picture that isn't just a, a story. It's a picture of, of really what happened, that people would live in these uh, towns Right? Maybe in the mountains and the hills and the wilderness, and there wasn't like highways in between them. There wasn't Twitter or X or uh, there wasn't Instagram stories to know what was going on. You waited, and these beautiful people right, would come with a message, sometimes on behalf of the kingdom and the king. And you'd see them running into your village, and you couldn't wait. People would go, There's someone coming with a message. They'd be dressed in a way you'd know they were coming with like a royal message and they would say, this is what's happening right now. The king has declared this or the war is over or there's war coming. But they'd come with a message and he's saying, can you imagine this, how good it is when someone runs in with this beautiful message and this message Paul's been talking to us about over and over in Romans is this really good news. He's saying how wonderful it is. Did those people get that? Did they get a beautiful message sent to them? Did they get good news run by beautiful feet that says, God has come to rescue us. There's grace. Put, put down your work and rest. God has done the work. Is he, did they see that? Did they hear that? And then did they hear it and believe it? Or did they maybe pick up their work and Okay, go to the next town. This is a silly messenger, right? This is what he's trying to help us think about. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. So they did hear the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So he's quoting here Isaiah, which would be one of those people who'd be considered a messenger, right? Sent by God to say God's words to the people to say, turn back to God. He's actually saying the passage... This, this great writing about how beautiful the feet are, the good news, did you see it in there? Did you see Jesus in there? Did you hear the good news of God has come to bring peace to rescue his people? It wasn't God has come to say, you've got to keep working hard. And if you keep it up, at the end of the week, you might get extra allowance and I might save you all. He says, God has come to rescue us. His people have come to rescue us. And one day, one will come to rescue us. He says, Isaiah has come and many others and Isaiah even says, Lord, who has believed our message? There's a, a mo many moments we see in the Old Testament and the prophets where they proclaim this good news and the people say, sorry, and they turn away, or they kill them. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Paul says, where does faith come from then? How do we become people who know faith? Well, he says that these people did hear this message and they chose to hear it and not believe it. And our faith comes from hearing this good news on beautiful feet and saying yes to it, this word about who 
Christ is again, he's proclaiming as he has a few times in Romans, said these words that we hear, the words that my people heard, and even Paul heard his whole life until his conversion, I didn't hear them as beautiful words about Christ, the Messiah who has come to rescue me. I heard them as a list of things. I got to get these things done. I got to be these certain people, or at least I'm not those people. And we're waiting, and the waiting is over. Christ has come. I've heard the word of Christ. And Paul actually lists, the rest of this passage is him listing, here's places where they've heard it. Which is already kind of done in, in Romans 9, but he's doing it again. He's saying, did they hear the message? Did the messenger come and give them good news, and they decide not to believe it? But I asked, did they not hear? Of course they did. And then he quotes Psalm 19, their voice has gone out into the, all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. He says, hey, remember in Psalm 19? That psalm alone just says, this message has gone out, the good news has gone out to all the world. So now he's pulling in even, reminding us, this is why Gentiles and Jewish people, why all people have heard this good news. Even in just the display of God's beauty and creation alone that we hear all the way back in Romans 1, the beginning of Romans, it says, even just living around us, we see indications and we see the glories of God around us, which should, we should respond to. Um, not out of, man, I'm awesome, but uh, gosh, our God is incredible and I want to move towards him. So he says, did they not hear? Of course they heard. Remember Psalm 19? Their voice has gone out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. We're going to look more at Psalm 19. Again, I asked, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. Remember, Moses even says, you're going to be upset because there's going to be people who aren't Jewish people who are going to come to faith, who are going to know. He says, no, we've been talking about this for a long time. And Isaiah says, we got Moses saying it. We got it in Psalms. We got Isaiah says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. And then again, we hear another passage from Isaiah. All day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. This is a a picture of Israel and a lot of us, right? All day long, the Lord has held out his hands to disobedient and obstinate people. It's a God saying, hey, I'm here. The, the good news is I'm here. Come, I'm near. I want you. I want to rescue you. I want to rescue from your sin. I want to change your heart, the things you're trying to figure out. I have figured out. Come to me. And, and guys, people that we have said, no, we turn away. We push him away, slapped on his arms. So Paul wants them to get this picture God has come. The message has been heard. But have we embraced that God who's put his arms out for us? Or have we been disobedient as they see? Now listen just to Psalm 19. This is beautiful. We're going to read all Psalm 19 really here, here quick. This passage alone just cries out. He quotes Psalm 19, but even if we just read this one, right? This is the story of God's people and God's work in his people. The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. God, just just the heavens and the skies and creation alone cry out this great knowledge of who our God is. They have no speech. They use no words and no sound is heard from them. I love that. The hearing isn't 
even just like audible all the time. Sometimes hearing the goodness of God and responding in belief is actually just experience or seeing it. Have you had that? Have you ever had that where you somewhere? This is one of the sweetest moments I've ever had with my dad. It was when we got married in Colorado. We were in the mountains, and him and I, we went for a walk, and we were sitting, and he goes, it is hard. It's hard to say there's no God when you're sitting in the mountains. I was like, I agree. I agree, Dad. It is hard. He's kind of questioning, unsure where his faith is, and he goes, it's hard to be here and not believe it, you know? I was like, absolutely. You're sitting in the valley of a mountain, and you go, this is like screaming to me without saying a word. The glory of God. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world, it, all of it all over the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun and is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. This, this picture, you see this picture? I love this. It's like so a champion getting ready to run the race. It rises at one end of the heavens and it makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. Do you picture this? There's like multiple things going on here, but it's all the same picture. It's like the sun that raises in one side of the earth and sets in the other, and throughout the day its warmth covers the planet, right? Or it's like a runner who gets up in the morning and runs his long race, passing by so many different people, bringing uh, their warmth, right? Their run to everyone. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. That great? That's a great one to remember. Uh, making wise. I'm very simple, but I can understand this good news. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. These are the truths that are like beaming over us, the warmth that is covering the world as it runs by. This is the message that the runner, the champion is saying. It runs through your village and people cheer. And it says, the Lord is right. He gives you joy. He's radiant. He gives light to your eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure. It endures forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold and much more pure than much pure gold, and they are sweeter than honey and the honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. So this is a, it's like a messenger comes, the sun co- uh, covers us and warms us, and all of it proclaims this good news, that God is all these things sweeter than honey and, and richer and precious, more precious than gold, all the things we love and, and desire. He's better than all those. And then in that, in that warmth, in the brightness, in the message, we might go, oh, forgive me. Like, I'm not that. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. I'm not that thing. That goodness, that warmth, that sun. So, but I, and I need you to keep me. I need you to restore me. I need you to forgive me. And then I'll be blameless because of what you've done. And I can be innocent of my great transgressions because of what you have done. May these words in my mouth and this meditation in my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's, it's, it's almost like this is what would be proclaimed. What did the messenger yell as they ran through the towns? They yelled this great news that God is incredible and right and true and holy and forgiving. 
and can change us and change our hearts. And he is our rock and our redeemer. And so this great message gets proclaimed. And I think Paul wants to know, there is a beautiful, great, good news that has come to us on beautiful feet. Uh, and people have just decided to say, I don't believe it. I don't want it. I'm going to turn from it. It's heartbreaking when you think of it that way. And it's heartbreaking this happens in our lives. We hear that great news. I, I've been trying to think this week, like, why, like, how does it happen? And I think it's because I listen to a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of stuff. Here, I put some other pictures of things I like to listen to here. There's a guy, there's a cool guy doing a podcast up in the top. This is a uh, type in, like, cool guy doing a podcast. That's what you get, that picture, that stock photo of a guy. He's got it all, coffee cup, mic, the headphones, beard. He's got it all. Maybe just the news, like where am I hearing, what news am I hearing that maybe I am believing that is sinking in that would maybe make me push away a God and say, I don't believe that. Maybe just music. Here's a, if you type in rock band, which you get, uh, just maybe the music I'm hearing. I mean, there's truth in that. Maybe that's where I'm even seeking like comfort. I don't know what, that's, that's coming in, news is coming in, podcasts are coming in, audiobooks are coming in. People are yelling at me about things, maybe like children in my home or other people's children <laughs> or Stan if you're stealing donuts. People are, are yelling stuff at me. That's coming in there. My own heart's yelling stuff at me. My broken parts of my heart, my stony parts of my heart. And all those things are coming in. I'm hearing all those. I'm trying to filter all those and they keep coming and sometimes all at the same time. And in all that, I have to kind of go like, okay, that's true, and that's true, and yes, that, and yes, this, and promises are coming to me. And I go, oh, I want that, and I want that. And so many of them are like, right now, you could have these things, comfort and joy and peace and self-control. You just got to keep listening to me and keep believing me. And so when the messenger runs in, there's a lot going on. I might not even see the messenger or hear the messenger. The people in the watchtower are screaming, hey, the, he's here. And, and I don't even know because I got someone yelling in my ear and my band's playing and the podcast is going, there's nothing wrong with a podcast and listening to music and audiobooks. I love it. But so much comes in and even things that aren't actually audio, just that I'm seeing and feeling. And all of those I say yes to, I think, a lot. And I say I believe those things a lot. I don't even filter those a lot. I just go, I heard it. It must be true. Consider all that comes in and you say yes to believing. I think Paul knows this is happening. If you think of the, his Jewish friends and the way he grew up, considering he was told over and over and heard over and over, you want God's approval, then, then it comes because you're a Jewish man, because you're born in the right place, because you follow all the right rules, because you're zealous enough to even hurt people who aren't like us. That's what will get you close. He hears those and he says, yes to those. I believe those. And so when Jesus comes, he says, whoa, no. Because I already know what I believe and where I stand. No to you. In fact, Paul's part of the people who ki kill this Jesus and the people who follow him. Here's, the, here's incredible about the story of Jesus. We follow a person who is, is this story. It's not just a person who came. It's not just a prophet who came. But we follow the story of a person who actually came in person, a God who actually came 
and is described as a messenger coming to a fallen city, to a broken people with the best of best news, the good news. Jesus comes with the news that I've come not to condemn you, but I am God and I've come to become man and die a death so that you could be raised from the dead with me, that you could have life forever, that you could have peace, all the things we heard in, in Psalm 19. I've come to bring all those things. I'm the one. And I think we, we know where people are at when we go, well, how do they respond to that? Well, he says earlier, we stumbled over them and in fact, we decided to kill the messenger. In, in, uh, in some cultures, this is actually a practice that happened. Actually, the phrase like, don't kill the messenger is probably from some of this. People would see a messenger coming into town and messengers' lives were like in danger always because if they came to town with news that wasn't so good or the town wasn't so excited about, sometimes they would kill the messenger. For real. Not just be mean to them. Uh, They would say, I don't like that news. Essentially, he bore the weight of all of their belief about something and all their anger about something and they said, that is not okay and now you're going to feel the wrath of this. And Jesus comes, and it, like the ultimate way has this happen, right? He comes and says, I'm the good news, I'm the messenger, and I'm the one who's going to rescue you, and I'm your God, I'm all here and I'm near, and we crucify him. In fact, there's that I mean, scene in Scripture where we scream out to crucify him. What's incredible is our God, that doesn't stop our God or his plan. The fact that he shares that good news and that some believe and some don't, he doesn't go, well, I guess I'm done then in this town. He says, I'm, I'm here and I'm staying and I, even though you've crucified me, that's actually part of the plan and now I have died for your sins and, and the fact the sin of you not believing me, the, the fact you killed me, I've even died for that. Even on the cross, he says, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Understanding that we've so heard and believed that we can't, we can't even make room for this Jesus. And thank God he rises. Look at this cool. Ascends to heaven, rescues us, gives us life in the midst of all that. Next uh, three, we kind of hear the story of this, of how we treated the greatest, the best messenger who came with the best news, who was himself the good news. Well, the man, um, this is a story in Acts 3 where Peter and John see a man outside the temple and the man says, hey, can you give me gold or, or sil- can you give me some money? I, I can't walk. I lo- it's such an incredible picture. Can you give me something because I can't walk? And they say, we can't. But we have something we could give you on behalf of Jesus, essentially. We come now as messengers of some really good news and they heal the man. You know the story? It's incredible. Actually, we were just looking at this story in the children's curriculum and the story has this guy like leaping into the air it's so sweet and he walks and he starts telling people and they go oh goodness and they want to know what do these people have this power to do this how can they do this and so uh peter and john tell people while the man held on to peter and john all the people were astonished and came running to them in this place called solomon's colonnade so they all just come right he stands up this man that people have probably seen over and over and over not walking by the thing they say we don't have money but we have something so much better when peter saw this he said to them fellow israelites why does this surprise you why do you stare at us is it by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk he knows right to the heart right he goes you think you're the ones who are going to somehow muster up the power or the godliness to heal a man 
You know that we can't do that, right? Why do you stare at us if this is our own power godliness that made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, and though he had decided to let him go, you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You exchanged Jesus for a murderer. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. That's a great, that's a great comeback if someone's like arguing with you. <laughs> you killed the author of life, but he was raised from the dead. Beat that. We are witnesses of this, right? He says, you actually killed the one that came with the greatest of news, that there's life, and you killed him. And we saw it by faith in the name of Jesus, man whom you see and know has made, was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all see. This is a story we see over and over and over, right? Throughout Scripture, all through the Gospels, all through the book of Acts, all through the, the New Testament, you see this, this same pattern, right? It's, it's not Peter or Paul or John or anyone. It's the power of Jesus. And what is it from? It's calling on his name and faith in what he has done. It's the same thing over and over. This is why Paul is so sad. He says, I'm seeing the same thing happen again and again and again, that we've heard this good message and this good word and this good news that he's come, and we've said no. In fact, not just no, but in Jesus, we have actually tried to kill him. And thank God he didn't die and didn't stay dead, but still rescues us even in the midst of us turning from him. And it's the same story that we see throughout all the scripture all the way back to the beginning when Satan comes and, and tells Adam and Eve different news, different information, and they say, yeah, I think actually I'd like to believe that. Maybe God isn't for me. Maybe God isn't the one who uh, should know all that's right and wrong. And maybe he's holding something from me. And, and how quickly they believe something different and it changes how they act and how they talk and the decision that they make which brings in sin. It's the pattern that we see over and over and we see all the way to the moment when they're standing. Jesus is standing before a crowd of Jewish people who should say, He's come! He's here. The messenger has arrived with such good news. What beautiful feet this man brings to rescue us. And instead of their hands raised to worship him, their hands are raised screaming, crucify him. And thank God our God is not one who stops because of that, but continues to come and continues to call to us and continues to give us the good news so we can keep believing. This is what our life looks like. Our life looks like people wake up every day and we hear lots of things and we have to decide what's true and what's not. And every day we get to say, Jesus, I believe again today. Again today. There's going to be moments I'll stop believing and i got to believe again. It's us over and over continuing to put our belief in the gospel and what's true. So I think for me, as, as we uh, wrap up here, I, I, think, I, I was thinking a lot this week. Like, how do I do that? What does it look like to be people who do that? I think some of it is considering... Uh, practically, what are we actually hearing? Being really more intentional about what's coming into our ears and our heads, our hearts, and being intentional about like, what am I actually believing? What's true about those things? Or maybe flip it and go like, what am I seeing myself do or say or think or how I treat others around me? Things that I want to see change. How much of that maybe comes from what actually has been believed by things I've heard? It's the same little pattern we see in the garden we just see in our own lives over and over. 
start considering, what am I hearing? Maybe it's an opportunity to maybe fade some of that hearing out. I'm not saying, like, let's go burn all of our CDs, right? That's has happened and it didn't work. Uh, but we, but what does it look like? Maybe how much content is coming in that it's even like kind of too loud to hear the good news. This is essentially why we encourage people. What does it look like to read your Bible every day? Or what does it look like to come to church on Sunday together? What does it look like to be in a small group together, serve together? Those aren't because like we got to do these things because God said we should do them. They're things because every day I need to hear again the gospel, and I need to believe again the gospel. And if I go a lot of days and don't keep hearing the gospel, I start believing other things are the gospel. Maybe consider ourselves, what is it that we're hearing a lot, and is it true? This is why we also need each other, because I will hear lots of things, and I'm just deceived. And so I need others to say, hey, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. And this gets us all the way back to where we started this morning, this great picture I think we see of how this works uh, with our friend Opal. Opal's actually asked, she's been through multiple tragedies. She actually had multiple times people have burned her house down, which uh, there's this interview with her and she's like, ah, the third or maybe the second time someone burned down my house. They're like, Who's, who talks that way about their house being burned down? That which time was it? They said, how do you get through this? How do you, how do you continue? The question to her was, how do you continue to keep going with this mission you feel called to. And she says something that we actually heard last week when we heard about um, Harriet Tubman uh, and we heard the story of Moses. She said, we've had tragedy after tragedy after tragedy, she explained, but we've had a God we can turn to who says, I'm with you always, and we believe that. Isn't that that incredible? I thought, she herself kind of embodies a messenger that has gone to tell this story that she's excited to tell. And they say, how do you keep doing it? And she says, because there's a God who has come and he's always with me and I believe that. And if I believe that, it changes how things work. And so, friends, this is the picture I have of us. Uh, this is a picture of her, uh, like in her 90s, walking. I mean, this is incredible. All these people with her walking to, uh, to remind people it's a Juneteenth celebration. Or this might have been one of the times she was walking from Fort Worth to to DC, but this is a this is how I kind of picture the church at times. This isn't a thing we we do together, right? This is um this passage sometimes has been used as a passage where it says like, hey, if you don't go tell people, then no one will know Jesus, and that's on you now. So you go home and feel bad that your friends don't know Jesus because that's your fault. Like, right? If we're not careful, we turn into like we gotta make sure we tell. I think this passage is reminding us of something so incredible that the messenger has come and he's died for us and rescued us and it changes us. And when we believe that, I become a person who wants to gather with others who've been changed by that. And I want to walk through the streets of my city and say, do you know this good news? Do you know the incredible news that peace has come to us and, and love has come to us and restoration and forgiveness and change, you can be changed by this. It, it makes me picture our church, the church, gathered together, walking, telling people of an even greater story of freedom than the story of Juneteenth. That's a pretty cool calling. And not out of like, you got to do this. You got to go preach the gospel or you're in trouble. It's out of like, I can't not. Now, God is, now Jesus gives us a great commission. It's not, now you got work to do and you're in trouble if you don't. He goes, how can you not now go bring this message as I brought the message? 
What a great calling, huh? What a great, great calling for us together to do. I'm going to worship our, our worship. I'm going to invite our worship team up, and then I'm going to worship them. Nope, that's not right. That's not how it works. That was a test. You all passed. Um, I w- we want to respond to the gospel now together. Um, and here's some things to consider in ways we do this. Ways we do this here are uh, taking communion together. Communion is an opportunity to remember that Christ has come, that he died and he rose, that his body was broken where you should have been broken, and his blood was shed where you, your blood should have been shed for your sins. But instead, he's done it and given us that gift. And so we take communion. It's out in the hallway. We'd love for you to be able to do that together. You don't have to be a member here at Hope. Um, we just ask that you're a believer, so it means something to you. Encourage you to do that. We encourage you to sing together. We're going to sing the, the good news, this great message that's been written into songs. It's so good. Uh, there's people who'd love to pray for you in the back of the room, and you can always give in response as an opportunity to support the ministry here uh, and lots of ministries that we give to here at Hope. So you can do that. Uh, there's a box back there, or you can do that online. Um, a few things to consider. Do you know Jesus, the one who came to free us from sin? Have you heard of this messenger? And today, Right now, this is how cool it is. At any moment, you can say, I believe it. I believe it, and it can change you. What are you hearing, and what, and what do you believe? It's like an every night question I could ask. What am I hearing today, and what, what do I believe? Are the words of the influencers uh, in your life telling you the truth? Who are the people who influence you, whose words have weight, and what are they telling you, and is it true? Uh, and maybe just consider what message are you bringing today? Uh, Let me pray for us and we'll continue to worship. Lord, uh, you are uh, glorious and good to us and you bring peace and forgiveness. And I pray today that we would turn to you, that we would call upon your name, Jesus, the one who's rescued us. And we'd believe and that would change us, that would heal us, that would comfort us, that would empower us and bring us joy. It would also unite us and bring us together. And Lord, that together we could bring this good news uh, to the people of our town and our neighborhoods and our workplaces and all over. Uh, they'd hear the good news that's, that they're all looking for. We pray this in your good name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Drew. Please stand and sing with us.